0: Good evening and welcome to Deliverance by Grace Ministries, where we have been working the last several weeks on a prayer series. Before we get started this evening, though, I do have some news that uh, I need to share. As many of you know, uh, I am the senior pastor of Deliverance by Grace, uh, formerly known as Deliverance by Faith and Faith Baptist Church, and one of our members that had been a pastor here. Uh, From the early days, uh, Alan Parrish has been, uh, he has chosen to move on to other things and is no longer associated with Deliverance by Grace Ministries, Deliverance by Faith, or Faith Baptist Church. And uh, So we want that out there so that everybody knows. Uh, We wish him well in future endeavors. So Before we get started, I I want to apologize to everybody for last week. It was kind of a hectic week, and I I allowed the devil to rule the day and canceled our, our Bible study, so I do apologize. Let's open with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessings you've given us. We thank you for the ability to live in a land where we are free. We thank you for the brave that protect this land So that we can live in the home of the free. We pray, Lord, that you would bless this series. May it touch someone's life. May, through me, I be used as a vessel for your word. We pray, Lord, that you would be with our leaders. Pray that you'd be with our president, helping to make decisions that protect the United States. Follow your word and protect the laws of the United States. We ask, Lord, that if anyone within the sound of my voice be hurting, That you would heal them. If anyone within the sound of my voice be sick, that you would make them well. And that if anyone in the sound of my voice doesn't know you, that you would use the words through me to speak to their hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When we started this, our, our first sermon was titled, The Purpose of Prayer, where we talked about acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, And supplication. Then we went to our second series, and the second series talked about the power of prayer, where we talked about forgiveness that the power of prayer can do the following forgiveness from God, peace from God, strength from God, wisdom from God, boldness, opportunity, healing and tranquility from God. And that leads us to tonight's sermon series. We're going to be doing two parts tonight, by the way, just so that everybody knows. We're going to be doing the privilege of prayer and the principles of prayer. I am going to go through these fairly quickly. Again, notes are available if you want them. In the privilege of prayer, prayer and the answers, to are not always available to all who pray. For some, their prayers will be an abomination to God. Their prayers will fall on deaf ears. Their prayers will be hindered. And their prayers will not be answered favorably. We might be praying people, even praying fervently. But do we have the right to pray, the right to expect God to heed us when we pray? In the first section, we're going to talk about for whom prayer is not a privilege. So, Roman numeral one will be for whom prayer is not a privilege. And A, those who will not heed God's word. In Proverbs 28, 9, we're told those who turn their ears from the law, their prayers are an abomination. 2 Timothy chapter 4, 3 and 4, we're told that Such is the case for those who will not endure sound doctrine. Now, I'm going to elaborate on this one because this one's important. Those who will not endure sound doctrine. Whether you choose to be the Baptist doctrine, Methodist doctrine, Catholic doctrine, whatever doctrine you choose to be, you should adhere to that doctrine. Now, does that mean each doctrine is right? No. Does it mean each doctrine is wrong? No. But if we take the word and twist it and mold it and non-denominationalize it to fit what we want to tickle our ears, he will not listen. So a sound doctrine is important. So I like to tell people, and, and I've always done this, that I am the Bible doctrine meaning that I live by, work by, and eschew by the biblical doctrine. Because although I'm trained under the Baptist doctrine, I don't believe everything the Baptist doctrine teaches. So I go to the Word. I go to the rock of ages. And I look, and I read, and I study, and I compare. And so I am a biblical doctrine person. Do I always abide? By the biblical doctrine? No, none of us do. Anyone that claims that they do? Well, I wouldn't want to be them. If we will not listen to God, and this is important, if we will not listen to God, why would he listen to us? B, those who sin separate them from God. In Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, we're told that sins can separate one from God so that he will not hear. Such is the condition of those who will not seek God's forgiveness, Romans six twenty Two things important here. One, we are told that when our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, it's there. And that's true, praise be to God, or he'd have to have an eraser for me constantly. Write it in, erase it out. Write it in, erase it out. Write it in, erase it out. But Paul tells us in Acts, in Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, that we are to die daily. We are to pray fervently, constantly asking for forgiveness, that God will find favor upon us. But if we reject God's forgiveness, can we expect him to listen to us? If we choose not to die daily, should we expect God to listen? C, and probably the most important one in here, those who fail to treat others justly. Psalms forty-one one and three, we are told that those who fail to consider the poor will not be heard. Malachi two thirteen and fourteen, First Peter three and seven, we are told and and. Husbands, this is a big one. Those who fail to
1: treat their wives as they should. Listen to me carefully. Those who fail
0: to treat their wives as they should. Your wife is not a possession. Your wife is not a punching bag. Your wife is not something to be controlled, demeaned, or otherwise. She is your other half, your equal, your helpmate, and your completion. Treat her that way. Wives, husbands are not to be dominated, domineered, nagged. They are your equal, your other half, and your completion. And only in that unity... On both ends of equality in a marriage, will God be there to answer? Those who fail to make things right with those who they have offended. If anybody here has ever heard of the 12-step program, what is, I believe it's step nine that you have to do? You have to make things right. Those that you have slighted. Is it always possible? No. Did you give it an effort? Yes. That is what is there. Did you
1: reach out to clear your transgressions? Those who fail to forgive
0: those who have sinned against them were told in Matthew eighteen twenty-one through 35 that we are to forgive those who trespass against us.
1: We are to forgive those
0: who would smite
1: us. We are to forgive those who would do us harm. Because if we do not
0: forgive those and we do not treat others fairly, how can we hope to receive God's mercy? How can we expect Him to answer
1: our prayers? Those who pray without faith, you've heard throughout
0: that faith without works is dead and works without faith is dead. I heard something the other day that took me a few minutes to put in the register just because the way it was worded but it's a perfect, perfect analogy here.
1: If you have an empty heart a full head will not matter. I Think about that. You have an empty heart, a full head will not matter.
0: Let me put it the other way. What if you have a full heart and an empty head? Has anybody out there ever worked with those that have Down syndrome or have various forms of developmental disabilities? Their hearts are so full of passion and love and and life. But they may not necessarily have everything upstairs that we would, quote, normal, end quote, call. I'd much rather have a full heart and an empty head than an empty heart and a full head. For those who pray without faith, it is impossible to please God. In James 1 5 through 8, we are talking that if we present ourselves before God in prayer with doubt in our heart it will ensure the failure of the answering of our prayers. If we doubt God's existence and ability to provide, why should God answer our prayer? The privilege of prayer is not extended to everyone. It is a blessing graciously bestowed on those who heart are in the proper condition, the proper place, and the proper thought process. So let's consider now, for whom prayer is a privilege? So this is the second part, or if you're taking notes, Roman numeral two. For whom prayer is a privilege? A, the sinner seeking truth and righteousness. We learn these in examples from Cornelius. According to Acts, he was a good man, but still in need of salvation. His prayers and alms had been noticed by God. Thus God saw to it that he had an opportunity to hear the words whereby he could be saved. According to Acts 11.14, he was saved. He needed to hear words by which he could be saved, which why he could take action. The Gospel of Jesus Christ, which is God's power to salvation in Romans 1.16. As many of you know, the, the story of Saul of Tarsus was still in his sins despite praying. Yet God heard the prayer of a sinner like Cornelius because his heart was in the right place. He was hungering and thirsting for righteousness. He was asking and seeking and knocking. For the Bible says in Matthew seven. 7 for those who knock, they will enter. For those who seek, they shall find. And that's a not the exact translation. I do apologize for those of you that are King James people. Providing an opportunity to one day hear and obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. For a sinner seeking truth and righteousness, prayers will be heard. Any of you heard to pray the sinner's prayer?
1: Or with a sincere heart, a full heart, you pray that prayer. I am a sinner. Lord, come into my heart
0: and cleanse my soul so that I may follow you. It's as simple as that. doesn't take communion. doesn't take baptism. doesn't take, <laughs> I won't say it, but it doesn't take it a belief in the birth, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and a casting of your sins and cares upon the altar. Part B. The Christian with Jesus as their high priest. Jesus is the high priest, or to put it in layman's terms, he is the Pope of our church. He is now a merciful and faithful high priest, able to aid his brethren, Hebrews two seventeen and 18. According to Hebrews 4, he makes it possible to approach God's throne boldly because it says that you shall only enter in the kingdom through Jesus Christ the Son. He's able to save to the uttermost since he ever lives to intercede. The first intercession was when he was stretched out on the cross and he interceded when he said it is finished. For he took all of our transgressions, our sins, our mistakes, and he conquered the gates of hell. Jesus now has become our advocate and our mediator. Our advocate to God the Father, according to 1 John 2. The one mediator between God and man, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. Who makes intercession for us at the right hand of God, Romans 8 and 34. Such is the blessing of those who have put on Christ in baptism and become the children of God through faith. In conclusion, the ears of the Lord are open to the prayer of the righteousness. First Peter 3.12 We must submit to the righteousness of God offering in Christ. Romans 10.1 We must respond to the gospel of Christ. If we desire the privilege of prayer, then we must be either A, a faithful child of God through obedience to Jesus Christ, or B, a a sinner with a good and noble heart, seeking after truth and righteousness. The sinner hungering and thirsting for righteousness will be filled. How much more the child of God, when he or she
1: experiences the privilege of prayer in its fullness, can be unlimited. Part two that we're going to go to is the principles of prayer. What are the principles of prayer that must govern our praying? The most important
0: one, there are five of them. The most important one Okay, that I want you to, if you're taking notes, Write this down. Highlight it six or seven times and write it in great big letters. We must pray in faith. Prayer requires faith. And all things, whatever you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Otherwise, if you pray with doubt and without faith, it will not be answered. Faith in God, that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him, Hebrews eleven six. Such faith comes from the word of God. For without putting the word of God as a lamp into our feet and a light into our path, our faith will wane.
1: With the aid of his
0: word, we can have the kind of faith that pleases God and ensures an answer
1: to our prayer. For those of us with big egos, we must remember to pray with humility. Humble
0: ourselves before God. Because it says that humility is a virtue highly valued by God in Isaiah 57, 15. The Lord is near and save those with contrite spirits. Psalms 34, 18. He gives grace to the humble. Proverbs 3, 34. Not only do you have to have humility before God, but you must have humility in prayer. This is exemplified in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. For the Pharisee was loud and boisterous. The tax collector, just very quietly, said what he had to say in private. For his prayer was exalted to the
1: throne. And the Pharisee's prayer fell on deaf ears. Humility leads to an exaltation, or you can also
0: substitute that word for sanctification by God. With faith and humility before God, we are prepared to pray with the proper disposition. We must pray, this one's important, we must pray in harmony with God's will. Prayers are answered favorably if we ask according to his will. Prayers more concerned with our will than God's will will fall upon deaf ears and be turned down. It goes back to the very beginning when we talk about acts. Whenever we pray, we pray with atonement or adoration. We pray with confession. We pray with thanksgiving. And then we pray with supplication. He already knows our wants, needs, and desires. He wants us to cast them on him. But much like that dress or that suit that you want at the local uh, high-end store, that want sometimes is left empty. He will always meet our needs, but sometimes our want are left empty because our wants don't necessarily line up with what he has for us. And sometimes we will keep on and keep on and keep on until finally it's kind of like, be careful what you wish for, I'm going to give it to you.
1: And then we get it and we realize, you know what, maybe it should have remained unanswered. His will be done. So Jesus did teach us to pray in Matthew 6, 9 and 10.
0: Commonly known as the Lord's Prayer that begins, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.
1: He prayed fervently in the Garden of Gethsemane. Every time that we
0: heard Jesus pray, it was, Father, your will be done. Not mine, but yours. Praying is made much easier when our will is to do God's will. there been many a times that that I've knelt down to pray, sat down to pray, stood to pray. And it was selfishly over the way I wanted things to go. God's like, "Eh." there'll be a fact check there, buddy. Not happening. With faith in God and humility towards Him, we will gladly yield to His will for us. For not to do so, will merit our prayers not being heard. Point four, we must always pray with thanksgiving. Giving thanks always for all things of God. In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Prayer being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Pray without ceasing and in everything give thanks. Do you see the pattern here? Selfless prayer. Pray with thanksgiving. The second part of praying with thanksgiving is one that a lot of us tend to forget. Ironic that it's this particular one tonight because coming up next month and the month after, we celebrate Thanksgiving. But do we truly celebrate Thanksgiving? We're going to be celebrating Christmas and a lot of us are going to be running around the stores trying to get the gifts and I uh, hear Tickle Me Elmo's back so there's bound to be a mad rush on Tickle Me Elmo. But is it truly what it's about? And do we have an attitude of gratitude? When times are tough and things are down and it looks like the world is is dark and bleak and, and Satan is running through Do we have an attitude of gratitude? For no matter what Satan throws our way, no matter what the world throws our way, we got one thing that they can't take. And that's the salvation brought to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. And that no matter how hard they try, and no matter how much they push, they can only push me to my knees. No further can I go. And no matter what happens to me, do I have an attitude of gratitude? Think about to the most disturbing thing that you've heard or come across this week. Did you think, wow, I'm thankful for what I have in my life. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for that. Did you have an attitude of gratitude? For we are told that as
1: a child of the king, we are to always, be thankful. Ingratitude, ungratefulness, is an indication of apostasy. Let that sink in a minute. Today, not been the greatest of days.
0: Some information and stuff that's just destroyed, probably destroyed some people's lives. And as I was preparing for this this evening, I was left with the thoughts of, do I have an attitude of gratitude? No matter what's going on in my life, do I have an attitude of gratitude? Because the truth is, no matter what's going on, we've got it pretty good. We live in the richest nation in all the world. We have family and friends. We have salvation. We have our children. No matter how poor or downtrodden we think we are, we have food in our stomachs. We've got clean, fresh water to drink. We've got lights in our house. Most of us have Internet and, and phones that can do so many functions that that third world countries or even some main countries would be amazed at the technology. So do we truly have an attitude of gratitude? And do we think that God will help us with our serious burdens if we don't take the time to
1: thank him for past blessings? Here is the most important, well, I said the first one is the most
0: important. If I had to have a co-first place, this one would be it. With heavy asterisks beside it, highlight it, put it up in bold. We must pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. We must pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Taught by Jesus himself to his disciples in John 14 and 16. It's commanded by Paul to the Christians at Ephesus in Ephesians 5 and 20. It means more than simply adding in Jesus' name at the end of our prayers. We acknowledge Jesus as the only way by which we can approach God. We recognize him as the high priest or we are the bride of Christ So we recognize him as the head of the church.
1: He is our interceder with God the Father, according to John. We must pray in faith. We must always pray with humility.
0: We must pray in harmony with the will of God, with thanksgiving, and in the name of Jesus Christ. We cannot estimate or overestimate the value of the Word of God in regard to principles, because faith comes from the Word of God. Humility is learned and implemented through reading and practicing the Word of God. Knowing the will of God is impossible without fervent study of the Word of God. Thanksgiving is made easier when we read of our blessings in the Word of God. The importance of having Jesus as our high priest is throughout the New Testament in the Word of God. With the Word to guide us and aid us in observing the principles of prayer, we are better equipped to make prayer a truly meaningful and beneficial experience in our lives. For those of you that are, are married couples, it is important on a closing note to remember that not only should you pray together, as husband and wife, and if you have children, pray together
1: as a family, but you should also study and pray together individually. For men are taught different lessons
0: in devotion and study. Women are taught different lessons in devotion and study. And while you should do everything together, including studying the Word, You should also make time for yourselves to study the Word.
1: For men, rise up. Be the leader that you are designed to be, even though the world would have you think otherwise. For women, be the leaders of the home,
0: be the example to the children, be the nurturers, be the educators. There's nothing wrong with having that role of mother and wife. There's nothing wrong with having the role of husband and provider. It's not saying that women can't help with that. It's not saying men sometimes stay home. But when you do it together as a united team, two halves making a whole, God will give us the privilege of prayer, principles of prayer, To put with the power of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the lesson that you've put forward tonight. And we pray, Lord, that you would use it to speak to our hearts and our minds. And give us what you would have us learn from it. As we go from here, help us to remember, Lord, that your son died on the cross. So that we may have everlasting life. Ask, Lord, that if there's anybody out there that doesn't know you, that, Father, you would convict them and speak to them until the time that they give their life to you. Pray that as we go from here, help us to remember that you're in control and that we should always have an attitude of gratitude. And until we meet again, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. We want to thank everybody for tuning in. We will be back to Thursdays, 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, next week. And until then, good night. God bless.